welcome to Manitobaville, where the podcast lives and we talk to people who enjoy living and flourishing. Today's interview is with Christina Hunter, and she has a website called Christina Hunter Flourishing, and she's a consultant that will help you better your life. And we have a great conversation about that today, and we get into all the things that that entails. And um, it felt better having this chat, I'll tell you. Pretty good. It gives you hope. It gives you hope. So as you search for sustainabilities and calmness and gathering your senses back around you and enjoying life as opposed to just running around like somebody who's wound up with too many, too many places to go. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a great, a great interview. And um, yeah, just great. So check it out. So we'll get to that interview just after this. Um, just a reminder to go to manitobaville.ca, make a donation, send us an email, give us some ideas, um, give us a donation with an idea that we should follow up and, uh, you know, make it so we can come around and see what's going on. You can find us on social media, uh, just search Manitobaville. You can follow us on any podcatcher you like, just go into that podcatcher, look for Manitobaville and then hit that old subscribe button. Then you can rate us you can review us. You can tell your friends. And by telling your friends, you might make a friend happy because we have all different kinds of interviews up here so far. But this is a great interview because we are moving into the sustainable idea of uh, life. So, um, yeah, a lot of our interviews have to do with that anyway. So uh, this, is a, this is a primo example of that type of interview and the information we're trying to put out to the world. So check it out. Um, uh, right, we have little breaks in this podcast, as you know. We have the little did 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 it sounds, and we put uh, commercials in those. So you're gonna hear one right away. Just warning you. Anyway, <laughs> so we're gonna get to our interview with Christina Hunter, and you know, just right after this little sound. Hi, I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Having a green day. Are you? An evergreen day. They're all the same. And evergreen. <laughs> the COVID version. <laughs> COVID, yeah. We're in COVID. Yeah. It's a whole new movie. Yeah. So, so what's going on? What's happening? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of the same. A bit of a COVID repeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to figure out what day it is and... Uh, but ultimately, living a pretty good life, I have to say. Uh, slowed down a lot. Don't leave the neighborhood too much. But uh, mm-hmm. getting out and doing a lot of cross-country skiing and skating on the river trail and that kind of thing and running. So it's good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's your... How about you? Oh, you know, um, <laughs> kind of the same without the skiing, the skating, the running. <laughs> <laughs> what's keeping you happy these days oh i don't i think doing the podcast is fun it's uh it's giving me windows into people i probably people i'd never meet anyway so it's kind of neat right yes everything's yeah. turned around yeah i've made some nice connections online too and it's been really delightful yeah i, I think people have changed yeah. a bit they're not running around to seven sports and three jobs and, and yeah. all that so they're they got more time to 
figure out who they are and who they want to talk to. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there will be, you know, there have been lots of hardships with the pandemic and losses, but there are also some upsides. You know, people going down, as you say, and connecting and really appreciating the connections that we have, I think. Yeah, I think most of it's with the uh, the, mm-hmm. the higher class anyway, because the lower class mm-hmm. is already like, well, it's already been hard, <laughs> so it's not much different. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of people mm-hmm. that are having things taken out of their lives are, uh, are taking it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that kind of person needed all those things in their lives to uh, to give them meaning or to fill voids, and now they're having to deal with those more appropriately. Oh, I, I think you're onto something there, yeah. Yeah, because right? poor, poor people, they don't, they're like, well, whatever, I couldn't buy food anyway, I couldn't really get out and do stuff anyway, so what's the, what's the, what's the big deal? Or knowing how to find happiness day to day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In ways that weren't <laughs> attached to all these other uh Yeah, they were talking to their external. neighbors anyway. <laughs> Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that, are we opening yeah. a can of worms here? Yeah. <laughs> all the big, all the big wigs complaining. Don't complain. <laughs> but how do you? How do you? I cut you off there. I should let you talk. No, no problem. So, um, are we live already? Recording here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry about that. By law, I should let you know that I'm recording this conversation, and it may be used for educational purposes. Or, <laughs> educational? Or training. Awesome. Training or educational or personable. Oh. <laughs> or humanitarian. <laughs> this may be used for humanitarian reasons. Right on. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, right on. Yeah, yes, so what, what's... Yeah, no, I thought so. Yeah, um... So what's the what's this green thing you're doing all about? What what is what's the basis of <laughs> yeah. that? Where does that come from? Yeah, um, you know, I've been uh, um, kind of yeah, it's sort of my my life's uh, <laughs> purpose. You know, mm-hmm. some of us are pretty purpose driven, and maybe you're you're a person who's all about connecting and and that kind of thing. And for me, I'm really purpose driven around environment and sustainability and doing better for the planet and its inhabitants, uh, us included. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really, um, interested in doing that. And, uh, in the last couple of years, I've also really been, you know, awakening to the fact that we have to take care of ourselves along the way as well, because it can be so hard when we, just focus on what's wrong that we have to really take care of us personally as well as our other you know human beings on this planet and and our our physical emotional mental spiritual wellness too mm-hmm. and uh, and that's just as much a part of environmental activism as as anything or it should be at least yeah and that's kind of just born out of my own lived experiences so i'm i'm kind of um yeah, really dedicating my time and energy to that. And um, yeah, so I started uh, uh, a business called Christina Hunter Flourishing. It can be found online and we've got a podcast, Live Well Green, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so just talking about um, really solutions um, to environmental issues and, uh, and problems 
um, I was teaching environmental sustainability at the university for 20 years. And I feel sometimes like the first 20 years of my career was, or 25 plus years, <laughs> we're about talking about issues and problems yeah. and not enough about solutions. And I just really wanted to focus on the solutions now and get us into feeling like there are answers and people are, you know, finding more and more positive things all the time and doing more. And if we spread that sentiment, then we're going to be on the right track and not be paralyzed, you know, with the, the enormity of it all and um, how emotionally difficult it can be if we're not focusing on the good things. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not um, saying there aren't real dire situations out there and um, that are getting worse all the time, but there are also an enormous number of really, really positive things going on. So I, I'm uh, yeah, really interested in exploring those and spreading the word about those and learning more about it and connecting people to yeah get the answers that they need in order to make changes and feel good about it along the way and and address it in a deeper way than, you know, simply buying our way out of it or, you know, this green product or, um, you know, making your own beeswax covered (laughs) fabric rather than saran wrap is going to be the solution. You know, there's really a lot more to it than that. And there's a lot more to our emotional connection to the earth than that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it does really come down to us deepening that connection with the earth and and all its inhabitants and acting from that perspective of you know caring and compassion um for others and for ourselves and yeah so i think there's a lot of really beautiful stuff and creative stuff going on and i get to explore it maybe similar to what you're doing exploring this (laughs) the beautiful things around us yeah the uh, the sad human condition Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're so sad we're the apex we're the ultimate apex predator with a gun because of the gun i'm too optimistic yeah, yeah well um, you know and I, is there part yeah. of that where it's where we're insecure we you know to to supersede wolves as the apex predator we need firearms mm-hmm. but is there yeah. an insecurity that oh, comes yeah. with that that leads to mm. treating the planet like an ashtray <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> ashtray funny yeah of all the vile things yes an ashtray is definitely among yeah. the most vile it seems like but, that. Uh, it seems like nobody yeah. really cares oh you know go rip up those trees i'll build a house full of cement and whatever and you know i, I mean some of that's okay but when you do it on this mass scale of suburbia that, mm. you know in, in cities that mm-hmm. are supposed to contract anyway it's um <laughs> it's bizarre it's just really is bizarre like fields that could have grown god knows what crops right bushels and bushels of stuff that we say we need to send overseas to people and help the world and yeah we put up all these beige houses on them oh my gosh yeah the beige houses you know and i think maybe that's part of the problem that we don't see it you know like we see the beige house and i wish i could afford that and i need a big house and you know all that kind of thing and people don't really think about it as being all those trees mm-hmm. and they don't see it as treating the earth, you know, inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's the first step is, is seeing it that, you know, and what you see, you can't unsee yeah. <laughs> in yeah. some ways. It's, it, it's like yeah. going back to that. Do 
remember there's a Bob, Bobby Kennedy when he was running for president, he gave the speech all the time. Mm. But it's yeah, it's mm -hmm. putting up a suburb. The developer feels I'm contributing to the economy with mm -hmm. under the category of new building or whatever, new house building. And the government's going, yeah, this is great. Looks good on our sheet here. We can put that on and say we're growing as a, as an economic force. Mm -hmm. But they don't see the other stuff. And that was the Kennedy speech of Bobby Kennedy. He would talk about how, mm. how the balance sheet doesn't show it when somebody's nice to another person or when, mm. uh, you know, like nature, we rip up some of nature or some, we don't, we don't have a, a, a deficit side of the balance sheet for those kind of things or a positive exactly. side. So we're, we're yeah. seeing this real slim view of what we think is progress uh, and beneficial. Oh, absolutely. No, I really, I'm, I'm not familiar with that speech, but I think you're, yeah, you've hit it right on the head in the sense that we have this really narrow view of what is progress and what is good. And we're not very, you know, particularly good at doing what we call full cost accounting or life cycle accounting, even of, of the actual, yeah, you know, yeah. things that we're using, but nor are we very good at acknowledging what really matters, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes, economic outcomes are, are part of what matters, but you know, what about happiness? What about health? Right. And so, yeah, there's like, there's really interesting things that are out there where um, these, you know, some countries are, you know, working towards um, gross national happiness rather than mm -hmm. just the gross national product, right? Those, those yeah, kind of and, ideas. And we think are, they're weird, right? Yeah. We're like, oh, those weirdos. But it's it's true, right? Because that, you know, what matters in your life personally, mm. like we know economics is part of it, but it's not by any means you know, the whole story, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Your relationships matter. How you spend your free time matters. How you feel, you know, the food available to you and how satisfying, like all of those other things matter, right? Yeah, balance. And why balance, aren't we counting that? Yeah, balance yeah. going to a Jets game with reading a book. Yes, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, don't yeah, get hung looking up on at one thing. Yeah. The, whole, uh, the whole culture around that, you know, like what, mm -hmm what consumerism are we being fed that we need to buy this and that and that's appropriate like yeah. you know maybe we should be thinking about the impact with all those things that we're buying and and really really consider if it's worthwhile you know when we think about the the deep impacts to the earth is is that purchase worthwhile we need to think about it differently not just can mm -hmm. i afford it one of the one of the most impactful things i ever heard was somebody who's describing how how invasive oil is in our lives and mm. like all the obvious things, like all the stuff that's made out of plastic and, you know, we put in our cars to drive through the malls and all that. But, mm. but they're saying every, everything from food to whatever. And the, and the most impactful thing they said was clothing it, because we send the raw materials from here to Asia and it comes back on these ships. And the, and the term was our clothing is a wash in oil. Life. Yeah. Yes, but we love it because it, it's it, so cheap to go to Winners and buy a five dollars shirt that would have cost in the eighties. It would have cost fifty or twenty or <clears throat> you know whatever yeah. the economic comparison would be. But um, yeah, like we're just so cheap. I tell people, well, if you want handbags, go buy them now because when the oil runs out, we're not getting cheap products from overseas, <laughs> and your neighbor has to make it. They're not going to be charging you know five dollars or ten dollars. Right. So that's going to be a fifty, sixty, hundred dollar item or more. Well, that's the whole issue. You know, oh, I can afford it, but can the planet afford it? Because yeah. it can't. 
the glut of fabric and um, clothing that we have out there. You know, we think, oh, we're recycling it in the sense that we're donating it, you know, to mm-hmm. a thrift store, Goodwill or whatever. You know, that's that's a small portion, but there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just insane. And then there's so much inputs that went into it in terms of the oil, yes, but also the chemicals, the mm-hmm. dyes, the wastewater, you know, all of that. And then we don't always pay people well. You know, mm-hmm. when they're making it and the lost lives yeah. and the, you know, like there's, it's huge and it's incredibly complex. Even if we back it up further to growing the cotton and the pesticides that went on that crop and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff, it's incredibly complex and it makes you go, oh, well, how do I get dressed in the morning? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, without guilt, yeah. Right. It, it, it's yeah. it's very, very complicated. Yeah, I did an episode on that, on sustainability and fashion, and I've been quite interested in that. But honestly, it, there's a lot there. Well, but even, we even the models it, are made right? out of plastic, right? Oh, <laughs> you, you can just go on and on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, right. I kid models. I kid them. They yeah. just look like plastic. I All the makeup is good as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I have to say, I'm wearing a sweater that Mm -hmm. I pulled out of the closet and I've had it for good 20 years and I hadn't worn it in quite some time. My husband looked at me like, oh, wow, that's that's a flash from the past. So, yeah. It's it's fashion comes around in cycles. (laughs) uh, There you go. (laughs) But, you know, like there's, yeah, there's a lot we can do, right? Just, yeah, mining the clothes in your closet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. You take the, the, the middle-aged lady out of her big SUV, take off her sunglasses, <laughs> remove her makeup, you know, put, mm. you know, the, the, the clothing and all that. You strip all that away and you're just yeah. left with somebody who doesn't really get it and they're not particularly confident in what they're doing, but they're doing mm. it because they see it around them reflected through the media and, and magazines and, right. you know, lifestyle the influencer lifestyle, all this fake, which is fake too. <laughs> oh God. And it's sort, of, it's sort of like the fake leading the fake down this path of ruining the basic tenements think, of life for everybody. Uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of people who are in that zone feel that little bit of emptiness, right? Like there's, I'm not satisfied. I don't know why, you know, I have it all or I hate, or maybe I just need one more thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there is this, little bit of emptiness that comes with not quite being connected to who you are and and what really matters in in your life like the understanding the impact you want to make and your purpose and that type of thing and I I that actually gives me hope (laughs) I'm I'm optimistic in the sense that that's an opening you know Mm -hmm. to have a conversation about living more intentionally living uh, in a better alignment with your values. And I feel compassion for people who think, you know, they want this, but they haven't been shown a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't know the alternative if we've never seen it, yeah. right? And just thinking that the suburban house is the option, well, maybe there are alternatives. Maybe it looks different, uh, but I need to see it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of what... I'm, I'm trying to spread and maybe you are too, in terms of looking at those alternatives. Um, what, what else is being done? What's a, a new model? Yeah. Cause uh, they're, or, they're, or an old model. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're already going to yoga. Like they drive their SUV to yoga and it's like, yeah. well, well you you sort of got an idea there. There's a spark of an idea. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now let's mm-hmm. take it. It's, you know, you almost feel like a therapist saying you have to do the work, but 
let's take that mm-hmm. idea further. Let's take it to the, what else can you do? <laughs> you know, incredible. but it's, but it's like, yeah. And they're raising children, right? Like they're raising children yeah. in the same mode that it's okay. That all that stuff is desirable and, and they should be doing that. Should we be setting up like green education zones? Oh my gosh. Every <laughs> education zone should be green, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, but, but I mean a camp. I, think, I mean yeah. a camp where you go to the mall and you see somebody uh-huh. drive up uh-huh. in this huge suburban that they don't really need to get oh, around. God. And they're and they're living yeah. this plastic life. And then we say and then we just take them gently and say, Now come with us. We're going to take you to this zone and we're going to yes. help you. You know, we're gonna re educate you as a as a group. Exactly. And, and I think I, I like your word, take them gently. Yeah. Um, calm. I think that's what we need to do. Take mm-hmm. people gently and say, Hey, are you feeling this? Mm-hmm. You know, that this, there's something more. Cause I am, mm-hmm. I was, I know there's something more. And what about this? You know, are you, do you long to spend more time in nature? Do you feel good when you connect with others in a meaningful way? Do mm. you feel good when you, um, you know, you know you're living lighter on the earth and you're leaving a better legacy for your children? <laughs> like, because the answer is yes to a lot of that stuff, right? Oh yeah, they want all that. Yeah, yeah. in the same way and they I, want everything yeah. else, and it's you got to separate that in their mind. Yeah, I have this core belief that I think as humans the vast, vast, vast majority of us have common desires, right? We mm-hmm. have common desires to, to live well, you know, to have something good for the next generation, to have safety and security, to have, you know, good food available to us. Like, you know, those are, that's common among humanity. It's how we define that, how we define getting to that, Right. And some people think that's with an SUV and a big house in the suburbs and a big investment portfolio. And then others think it's, you know, going a different route. And can we, can we marry our ultimate goals with one another, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with what actually works for the planet. But we're still competitive beings, right? Like we're still (laughs) hyper competitive, even in a conversation, (laughs) table talk, whatever. And (laughs) even in how to be, you know, like, um, your approach I love because it's like just easing people towards it. But other people mm. are aggressive in, come on, you're right, you're killing the planet, don't you, you dummy? You know, and people, yeah, they don't take yeah. that well. And then they come back with, well, yeah. no, I'm not, and here's why. And it becomes this other competitive thing, yeah. like whether it's in politics now we're seeing or every, you know, in sport. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the first, the, the first, what is it, the second place is the first loser, you know? And it's like, well, that's not teaching people how to be graceful losers or to just play the game. This is crazy stuff. We're winding ourselves up so hard. And, you know, it's like people look for areas. Like they'll look at being green and they'll say, I can be competitive in this area. And I can really, and it's like, well, no, 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 no. (laughs) The whole idea is not to be. And and to to relax that whole nature. I think that's important, as you say, to... um, to yeah go gently right with that because it can be setting ourselves up for failure when we say we have to be perfect we have to be the best environmentalist and I'm always kind of really on that message you know do what you can when you can 
I say it all the time because I think we have to open the door in a way that is approachable to others. I remember, you know, when I first started in this field, a lot of us people and NGOs, you know, those non-government organizations I've been working with for you know years and decades, a lot of us thought if people only knew the problems they're causing, they would stop. And it turns out it's not that simple, mm-hmm. right? It, it sometimes just sets people up to feel bad and then they don't look at the issue, right? So we have to sort of uh, nuance our messaging and, and allow people to join in wherever they're, where they're at, you know? And mm-hmm. if that means bringing a reusable bag to the grocery store as your first step, that's a good first step because it's a mm-hmm. first step. Yeah. And then we go from there. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not a super competitive person by nature, but I've, I've been playing ultimate Frisbee for um, over 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh gosh, probably closer to 30 years now. <laughs> I'm uh, a bit older and I didn't come to it until I was in university myself. But uh, okay. anyways, I, I love the game and it's um, obviously it's, sport with points and winners and losers, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense that someone's going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, I want to win, but at this stage in this level of play that I'm at, right, every game is a good game, right? Yeah. Especially now, now with code, there's no games, but mm-hmm. um, when I get back to it, it's like, okay, I just want to be in the game and enjoying it. And if I make a good pass or catch a point or whatever, I've got to take my victories from that. And that's a personal victory then, Hmm. right? So I think we can find those ways to win in the, in air quotes, right? So you, you've got a personal win without having to, you know, win the game. And how can we find those personal wins? compete with yourself or feel good right Mm -hmm. we've got to find something good in every day in the action of appreciating the the bird that you can see out your window and feeling like you created some habitat for that bird because you planted you know a native you know tree or something you know um and and feel those little wins along the way because it's a long journey, you know, right. We've got a lot of work to do and we've got to feel good about it. And it's, it's really cool because of course that's, that's habit creation is getting the reward as you go, you know, that creates the habit of doing it more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, and wanting the next person to like, we have a, we have outside of our bathroom window on the second floor is a, Mm -hmm. a big vine. Um, what is it? It's a, I can't remember. It's not a, it's not a grapevine, but it's a different kind of vine. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and the birds, the sparrows have put a nest up, up inside their little condo they built. Oh. And and so it's, and the cats can sit up there and Lovely. watch them. And, you know, we put feeders <laughs> yeah. out on the other side of the yard. So they come back and forth and we see them. But it's yeah. like, if we ever sell this house, you want the next owner yeah. to leave that intact. Cause that's their home. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and should I have, the ability or ownership of doing that. And I, I always think about that too, when, you know, a neighbor's uh, cutting down a tree, well, should they be allowed to? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And should, should a property owner, when we were in the South Osborne area and the apartment building was built along the river mm-hmm. and they cut down all the trees mm-hmm. along there. And I was like, who, why, why are they allowed yeah. to do that? Yeah. Just because they owned the property. Should that be allowed? Yeah, <laughs> of course, have... we have to. We could change that with development, you know, regulations. We have to keep so much, 
you know, vegetation mm-hmm. on the property. You can do that. So yeah, just thinking differently about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like take down all the trees and then plant some little, you know, yeah, things that shiny fast growing trees. Yeah. And even right? if you replant it, an elm, it's going to take 70 years to no. look like what you knocked down. It's crazy. You're not going to get it back. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And why not put some of those practices into place and then, when everybody do, does it, it becomes the norm and we figure out how to, and that's mm-hmm. how you dance, right? We, we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does. In, in Regina, actually, they have so few trees mm-hmm. that's it's on the prairie that they, mm-hmm. uh, even in your own property, you have to get a permit to take down a right. tree and they have to approve yeah. it. They have the right to say, no, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But here it's like, whatever. We can change it. And the whole thing, that's yeah, because a lot of develop, like I hate to say this, but a lot of the, some developers now, will work with the environment and leave things intact as much as possible so that your house is, is in a nice place. But other ones, are, yeah, they'll just ra- raise it and then do whatever. And it's and it, it's got elements of, they have no taste, they have no style, they put up a box, it's ugly anyway. And they've wrecked nature to boot for everybody in that area. And it, there and should be, yeah. yeah, and there yeah. shouldn't be a finable thing after, it should be an approval thing before. Exactly. Or, you know, just seeing the different ways of doing it so that they understand it's part of, you know, the ecosystem that we need to preserve as as an urban forest that we value and love. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't believe it. I I had uh, one of my husband's work friends or colleagues had been over one day and uh, in the older neighborhood. And she said, you know, she had just bought a house in the suburbs and a new suburb. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, and she looked at our, you know, 80, 100 year old elms here on the boulevard. And she said, oh, I can't wait till the trees in my neighborhood are like these ones. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Off to the, ed- well, off to the green <laughs> education zone for you to, you're to learn about wait trees. wait a long time because <laughs> that's never going to happen because we're yeah. not planting those kinds of trees, first mm-hmm. of all. And, you know, we do need diversity in our urban forest to avoid mm-hmm. the problems that we have with the, you know, pests, you know, mm-hmm. that are taking down a certain type of tree. Yeah. But at the same time, we're not thinking long-term in a lot of our planning, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not thinking about the next generation. And somebody here planted, you know, the majority of these boulevard trees, some are native actually, but some are not. And mm-hmm. um, someone planted those yeah. for us to enjoy today. And they did that 80 or hundred years ago. Yeah. So why aren't we stewards? Exactly. for the next 80 or 100 years you know those generations following us yeah so um well we, we had people come we're in an area this house is 100 years old now and mm-hmm. um and the, of course the, the trees along the street they formed a canopy that has been a bunch of been taken out now but um yeah. bunch of, before that happened uh some ladies came along in the back lane mm-hmm. i heard them chatting they they're saying that, mm-hmm. that this was their house they grew up in so I invited, I said, well, come on in. You guys got to come around. And so they came through yeah. and everything, but they couldn't get over the size of the trees because when they were kids, oh. those trees weren't very yeah. big, but they're all planted yeah. and they're all growing. And they're just like, they had, you know, can you take a picture of us by the, you know, the canopy of trees by a tree? And, you know, it was a big, big, big deal for them. And it's like, if you go across Portage yeah. Avenue to the north here, you'll see yeah. what probably what it used to look like and, and the trees they've planted that are still small. And it's like, wow, yeah. this is barren. How can you live in the heat of the sun and the cold of the winter without the the the, the benefit of the trees? It's a it's crazy. I can't I, I can't imagine it. I know. Well, and and not everybody can buy in in an older neighborhood with a tree canopy. But if we have the longer view on things, mm-hmm. on 
our, our urban forest, yes, but even on our houses, you know, can we build a house that is solid, that's going to last? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not just a, or a strip mall. You know, yeah. those things are not built for any significant lifespan. You know, they're built cheap and fast. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have great energy efficiency in the short run. Mm-hmm. But in the longer, you know, in the medium term, they're built to be torn down. Yeah. You know, with our public infrastructure as well, where we don't dare to put quality into it. For heaven's sakes, if the taxpayers feel like we might be making something too good, you know, yeah. and that's really a short view of things because the material use and the cost of that is is really really a, a problem when we don't take this longer perspective on what we're building and what we're creating. I don't think anybody know, cares society. anymore because back then you used to have you had technology that needed workers, so you had tradespeople, skilled labor who, mm-hmm. you know, supported families and neighborhoods and actually, you know, that, that supported whole infrastructures of, in, of neighborhoods and they knew how to take care of their houses because they worked with their hands. They, they understood things or they had mm-hmm. friends who knew and uh, associated with, and there's lots. <clears throat> and now, mm. you know, it's like everything's this, you know, oh, we got a robot now that'll do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, people are just like, well, I was going to go into that field, but I guess it doesn't matter now because, you know, just like you said, putting up a strip mall does not take bricklayers or people who understand masonry or anybody mm-hmm. who understands plaster or how to how to build a structure out of wood that's solid and, and good. Mm-hmm. And and it just sort of, it's like, well, no, I can do it cheaper this way with uh, three guys yeah. with cement truck and, and some steel and we bolt it together. And, it, it, you know, with five steel workers, I can do this. Whereas before, to put up a bricks and mortar, you know, you had to have a, a lot of people working on it for a substantial amount of time. And mm-hmm. and so now I think a lot of people have just lost heart. They're just like, well, I'll just get my kid in the NHL. He'll make five million bucks and that's what we'll live on. You know, it's <laughs> that's a faster way than actually having to trade a skill because uh, there's, well, there's, there's nothing there for it yeah. anyway. So I think people are feeling hollow all over the world. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, but I'm seeing this resurgence. So I'm um, not that you know, long ago I left the university and I still have good connections with lots of students and hopefully more. Mm -hmm. I I love to, you know, see what they're up to and and doing because it's so hopeful to me. Um, Because you're into sustainability. So you're used to (laughs) long-term. Yeah. 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 But these guys, you know, these, these young um, folks just graduating or in school, like they really have been wanting to reconnect with making things, right? Mm -hmm. They're, Okay, they're knitting, they're spinning um, their own wool, they're um, carpentry, they're going into carpentry and mm-hmm. uh, construction and these types of things. And that that's truly interesting to me because we still like to build something with our hands and understand that tangible, tactile creation, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not just something online yeah. <laughs> and on the internet. Yeah. It's not a you know a TikTok video or whatever, which could also mm-hmm. be creative, but we're seeing really interesting things where people want to still connect and grow their own food with this pandemic. We've mm-hmm. seen this huge uptick in wanting to garden and mm-hmm. do canning and all that. And I mean, thank goodness there are a lot of interesting upsides to this that we see people getting interested in that because mm-hmm. it's great for us and the the planet when we know how to do things when we know how to fix things yeah and we know how to build things as you say and 
you know, so there are these, you know, the you know, website, I fix it. And, you know, these other yeah. things. And, How to, and, the yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and the right to repair movement with yeah. our technology, because people are saying, I'm not putting up with that anymore. Mm. You, you know, tech companies giving us technology that has this built-in time limit mm -hmm. on, on this um, device so that I need to go and buy a new one because it won't work, work properly in a mm. year and a half. Yeah, so, and, my, and my whole life's in there. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I should be able to fix the cracked screen, and I should yeah. be able to extend its lifespan. Yeah, put in a new and battery that, or something. Yeah. Which, and yeah. I don't want that company to go out of business, but I don't want it to be at the expense of the planet. Yeah. You know? And I need to have an option as a consumer. So thank goodness we're pushing uh, pushing back uh, mm -hmm. on that, I think, in, in terms of what we're demanding. Um, and that's, that's great. I've, I've done a blog uh, post on those types of things, too, because there, there are cool things going on that people are really saying, hey, this is not right. You can't keep giving us this garbage stuff. Mm -hmm. We have to take control of it for the planet, for our pocketbooks, for um, – for humanity's sake, right? A lot of people are, are looking at things more logically now instead of romantically, mm -hmm. because being handed uh -huh. an iPhone is a is a romantic notion. Wow, you know, and just easy it works and everything's great. But how does it work? How does it? What does it do? How does it change me? Or what do I rely on? You start getting into those logic based. Uh, applications or the pragmatic side of it where mm. you know and i th and what you talked about before too I was, it made me think how mm. what can i do to help the planet and if everybody thought what can i do and reverse engineered everything then it leads you to th to saying well we don't like it when richard branson flies his jet to a summit on climate change that doesn't set the right tone and it's like well mm -hmm. if everybody stopped flying around the world in these polluters in, in the first place, he wouldn't have any money to fly in the jet anyway. He would just be normalized. He'd be a regular person again, you know, if, but, but it, it comes to, where does my food come from? I get it from Safeway. Where do they get it from? Well, they get it from this other place where they grow it in the ground. And you're like, well, can't I? Didn't people used to do it here? Of course they did. Everybody mm -hmm. did. Oh, I can, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do I need? What, how do I do that? And like you say, they go and learn. And so when you, when you, Get rid of the romantic notions and the romantic side of life and put in your pragmatic side. It leads to a whole different kind of romanticism with uh, what you're yeah. accomplishing and what you're doing. And, you know, it's the whole live where you work. Don't rely on the bus service. The buses, buses use oil like crazy and keeping them running uses oil, everything, the support system around them. Even our hydro, you know, it'll be the last thing standing when oil runs out because that's the last thing we'll use our oil for is to drive trucks around to repair, you know, their, our, our lines and keep their electricity rolling. But it's, everything relies on us so heavily. So what can I, what am I, take it to the worst case scenario. Okay, no more oil, no more cheap energy. What am I doing? How am I going to do this? And what do I have to get used to and what's my way of life like? But of course, yeah. so you can take aspects of that and put them in now but we still have energy and we still have electricity and stuff. But I think, yeah, it opens up somebody's mind to saying, well, boy, I'm as a human with a brain like this and knowledge at my fingertips, I'm actually pretty, pretty useful to myself 
and to my, right? my, my and first people. Right, and it's so deeply satisfying, yeah. right, yeah. to be able to create something. You know, I'm looking at um, a weaving done by a friend of mine who she spun the wool, you oh. know, mm-hmm. to make that fiber art. And it's really lovely for me to think about that as being created mm-hmm. by my friend's hands, not by a machine and not by, um, you know, uh, it's not like any other piece in the world, right? Because yeah. it's unique and it's part of her. And that's and, a good example, yeah. too, because you can take that back one step and she can say, well, I got the wool and I did this. And you say, well, what would what would it take for us to have have the wool without going and buying it from someplace we, we don't understand or know? And you get into animals. to the supplier. Let, yeah. Well, let's own animals and let's take care of them. And when you get back to the whole thing, then you find out that being around animals is so good. And, it is, and it really you, is. Yeah. yeah, and then your whole life shifts around that, and then automatically your life becomes more green. Right? Yeah. So yeah. there's there's all sorts of yeah, yeah very positive things that come from that connecting with nature and through animals, through the outdoors, through the plants, your garden, um, being able to yeah just get out into nature more because we're not um, yeah running around to our other activities as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all kinds of good things. Well, yeah, and there's so yeah. much more better stuff here than on Mars anyway. So I don't know, why are people <laughs> yeah. going to, why is the big deal to go to Mars? Is it just an ego right. trip or is it a, <laughs> like, I don't know. Are you going to, you going to take your hole right. and start growing potatoes? I don't, I don't see that. No, that's, you know? yeah. what the <laughs> that's not happening. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, we need to transition before we run out of fossil fuels, even though that's, uh, that's, of course, a finite resource, but the urgency is much, much stronger than, than waiting. So we've got to get there in a way that's good for us, right? Yeah. So we've got to find these ways to be smart about what we're doing. And using that hydroelectricity, knowing that, yes, those hydro dams that we built have big impacts on the First Nations or Indigenous communities. Like, this mm-hmm. is reality. Can we do it differently and do it better and learn from our past mistakes? and um, find a future that's more equitable and green as we go forward. Because there's a lot of infrastructure that we can and should be still using, but we've got to be smarter about it. Mm. And that existing capacity also extends to the human capabilities, because right now we're, we're wasting so much of that, too, when we have you know, people who are marginalized and not allowed to be part of the conversation, you know, and mm-hmm. so we have to bring people in and bring in that knowledge of um, what matters in terms of um, saving those good parts of our past and making use of that knowledge and the, the deep connection that all of our ancestors had to the earth, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, all of that other wisdom that humanity has built up over the, you know, centuries Mm. and um, bring that into the future to make it a better future. It's not that the uh, answers aren't there. We, we can find the answers. And uh, I think there's, there's just a lot to be learned from sharing these stories about positive, you know, ways to move forward, learning from the past and using new tech and, and new ideas as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like instant <laughs> gratification is is taken over, because yeah, if you're gonna go with the past 
And a lot of people say, they were saying, well, if, we, if oil depletes, we're going to be back to like 1900. And then other people were saying, no, it's going to be more like 1800. And then other people were saying, actually, it's going to be a lot more like 1500 or 1600 when we didn't have any of this mobility and, and whatnot. So mm -hmm. so this instant gratification, and then maybe that's what Elon Musk su suffers from, is like, well, I, I have this idea we can get to Mars. Let's go now, and let's do it now, <laughs> you know, and let's blow shit up in the meantime and see, see what we get. Like, but we got to get there now. It's very important we get there now. And then this next things are like, well, maybe we won't get there in my life. You know, maybe, uh, oh, and probably a lot of people will die on the way. So it's sort of like he's, it dawns on him the reality of this, the craziness of the adventure where you want it, you want it now, you want to be the first one and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, that's crazy. There's so much to do and learn. And what are you going to do when you get there anyway? You know, you live in a bubble and whatever. It's not even militarily brilliant because by the time you launch a rocket from there to kill the Russians, you know, we've gone three generations or whatever. You don't want it there's anymore. There's so much wisdom in <laughs> yeah. that little meme yeah. that says there's there's no planet B, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no plan B. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. There's no and, other, there's uh, a... For heaven's sakes, let's stop polluting yeah. uh, outer space, never mind other planets. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot to tackle here first I've, in terms of living well. I've been waiting for somebody to develop a, a, a suborbitable bulldo bull bulldozer. Yeah. And just go and clean up all the ugly satellite crap and everything in our skies and just sort of <laughs> scooch it and, you know, I don't know, bring it back down here and bury it or something or, you know, it's well, just and like... re recover the minerals and, you know, recycle it all and yeah, retain that. But anyways, yeah, so that's yeah. part of it. We've got to think better. Yeah, sure. We need satellites for our, you know, telecommunications, but we've got to think smarter about how we're, we're considering these things. But Mm -hmm. In the big picture, that's probably a minor um, effect. But with everything that we do, we have to really be thinking about not just disposing. It can't be that throughput system anymore. Mm -hmm. We can't think linear. Um, we have to really think cyclical because, like, that's that's nature. Mm -hmm. Nothing in nature goes to waste, right? Yeah. Nothing in nature is unusable. It's all part of a cycle. And so that's what we need to get to, to be sustainable. And that's the whole idea behind like, you know, cradle to cradle and that, that sort of concept of, of closing the loop, the closed loop economy and so on, which is really exciting because the model is there, mm -hmm. you know, nature does it with materials yeah. and we can and should. So there's really like exciting stuff that people are thinking about how to do that. But it means rethinking how, business works and how we consider our um, material economy in, in general. It can no longer be, I'm going to buy something because it's cheap and get rid of it, hopefully in the best way possible. That's, mm -hmm. it's, that's still not sustainable. So there are new ways of thinking about it, which includes completely altering that path from a straight line back into a circle, which is the natural way anyway. Mm -hmm. So, it can be done. <laughs> we just have to, yeah, we have to challenge ourselves, I think, to get there. Yeah, and you need some help along the way with with the small things like bags at grocery stores. Um, when the, the idea they said, okay, you have to bring your own bags now, but they kept supplying plastic bags, and I'd forget, okay. like because it's a hard habit to get into to grab your bag to go there to because you always have bags <laughs> yeah. there, and <laughs> and I kept telling them, I was like, oh, I forgot again. Oh, and then I said, you got, you know what, you guys need to do is stop giving away 
plastic bags. And then you know what? Yeah. I will remember because if I have to yeah. take all my stuff loosely out in a cart and pile it in my car and stuff, that's going <laughs> right. to make me go next time I got to take a bag. But I, but I don't have to remember that if they keep giving me a bag. And it's so yeah, hard for yeah. groceries. Well, no, we got to make sure people have a bag, you know, if they didn't bring one. And I'm like, well, you're never going to close that cycle. You know, it's never going to yeah, get to the next step if you keep giving us these bags. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there are cool alternatives already. You know, companies yeah. are coming up with things. You know, there's the model of just having a, a stash of bags there for people who forgot. Mm -hmm. um, there are the, the bags, of course, that you purchase that are, you know, yeah. can be used many times. There's the compostable plastic um, that that has issues, but it's, it still could be a great solution among many. Hmm. There's the really, really reusable containers for shipping uh, and, and grocery delivery and even some being developed here in Canada. Um, so there, there are models and all it takes is us ask, asking for it and companies willing to give it a try, mm -hmm. you know, and, and even willing to pay for it because the old models are so heavily subsidized, but we've, We've really got to think longer term and there are cool ideas coming out all the time. <laughs> when I, when I was a kid you in the seventies, they used to give uh, like a cardboard box. They'd recycle mm -hmm. their, what they got stuff in. And so they pack oh, it yeah. in a box. You take the box or they had the paper bags. Um, That's right. But we also bought yeah. less because our whole garden went into the cellar in reusable mm -hmm. jars. They were canned and stuff. And, but even the big item things we get like flour cause we'd make our own bread. But the big thing mm -hmm. you'd have to have is the flour, and it came in a paper, just like it still does. Paper bag? Comes yeah. in a paper bag, totally recyclable, before it goes back to earth, all that. But yeah. But I, I, I just, I'm always amazed. I think back to those days, and I, I look around now, and I'm like, what a different world. Just in, in, mm -hmm. in the most basic sense of what we expect to... I mean, back then, if we got a toy that was wrapped in, like, uh, my sister would get a doll or something, and it would be in four layers of plastic layering. Yeah. And we'd, all, we'd be looking at it going, what, what do we do with this now? And uh, and it's like, why why do they even pack it in this? What What's the point? And, you know, can we refuse it at this, like, just open it at the store and say, here, you deal with this now? Because that would be the fastest mm -hmm. way to get them to tell the factory to stop we don't want all this plastic in our stores, so stop sending it in it. But people still made it the end, like it became our problem. And it's just like everything yeah. now, it's just like it's always my problem how to solve the world when the world keeps giving me all this garbage <laughs> and plastic and non-reusable. Because even they say recycle. And then you look and you say, oh, this kind of plastic can't be recycled. And it turns out to be most of it. And I was like, well, what's the point with that? I don't. I don't get that. Why yeah. do these big factories spitting out this stuff? It's, you know, it's just well, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It's really complicated. Yeah, it, yeah, it's actually so complicated when you get into it a little bit. Um, recycling is still very worthwhile. Yeah. And yeah. lots and lots of plastic, maybe even the majority in lots of contexts, can be recycled. I stick it. Um, I, but anything there I are think. Complication. Anything oh. I think should be recycled, I put in the recycling bin. <laughs> And I'm yeah, like, well, so I'm going to, I'm going to send to them. And if they decide to throw it away or whatever, or bury it or whatever, that's their thing. But, but as far as me, I'm going to say here, try it, try and recycle this. Cause I'm <laughs> well, not just you throwing know, it away. That's an episode on why recycle. And that's part of it, right? Because we don't want to feel like we're throwing it away and we end up contaminating the waste stream. Now what happened when China stopped taking our low grade plastic is that we had to find 
local sources for recycling plastic. Mm -hmm. And they were simply less tolerant, which is good because of the issues with what was actually being called recycling in China was, you know, maybe not that great. It was being downcycled all the time Mm -hmm. in order to keep recycling it. We need high quality um, goods being put in, which means we can't downgrade the plastic with contaminants. Mm -hmm. And that contamination is everything from, you know, food to the wrong kind of plastic to, um, uh, you know, non-plastics in in total. And so this is um, a little bit complicated, but we definitely need to get better at it. And right now we're really bad at it. The true, true recycling of yeah. of all plastics is roughly around four percent. Yeah, four percent. Yeah, like four percent. We globally, so that's so, terrible. So top top <laughs> layer, first world country, first you know most developed economy in the world, brain biggest brains. We make the stuff in the first place. Well, the third world can't uh, can't recycle it properly, and they send it back to us, and we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's like, right, well, if that's, exactly. If that's the problem, if that's where it ends up, if that's where the buck stops, stop making the stuff in the first place because obviously yeah. the smartest people in the world can't get rid of this. Well, and I think we need to, um, you know, and we're obviously <laughs> got lots of smart people all around the world, and but we cannot solve this problem. It's a systemic problem, but I think we still have a voice. Yeah. You know, I do know, like they do listen to consumers mm-hmm. um, and writing in, like writing a letter, writing an email mm-hmm. actually, you know, might not change that time, but eventually it will. Cause I've seen it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, they say that's you know, still the I, most effective way of having your MLA, MP, whatever yeah. rep actually take notice is to have an actual letter on their desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it does, it does work. And I've seen huge changes in the last few decades. It's slow, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it, <laughs> well, it's, it's good that it's going in the right direction in a lot of areas that yeah. lots of people are like standing up to this and saying, yeah. no, we can't have this much. Is this that bad economic that. thing where it's on it's the only thing showing up in the balance and the balance sheet is that these factories pay taxes and it's good for the economy. Therefore, even though it's horrible for the economy, like and, and the government just won't see the other side of it because there's no you don't get paid taxes if there's no problem. You know, if you get rid of the problem, you get rid of the taxpayer. So that's mm. not good. We got to keep the taxpayers. If that's an ugly factory spitting out stuff that's killing the planet. So be it, because we need to show economic growth. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things to consider there. Like that model of economic growth is a big question mark. Is that really sustainable to look for growth every quarter um, in terms of needing to grow economically? Because natural systems don't have infinite growth. Mm -hmm. So is that even possible? Um, but yeah, it's, then like, it's like Bernie we, Madoff running the government, right? Twenty uh, percent every year. Wow, <laughs> like that's you that's know. Crazy. Well, that's you know that's a big question mark whether yeah. or not you know that that could be sustainable if we were to redefine growth. Maybe if we think about growth as being development, growth as being improvement of conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's possible. Yeah, not um, not destroying then, non-destructive stuff too shows up on there. It, you know, yeah, and, and doing things better, mm-hmm. you know, if we think of it that way, that could be possible. But, you know, I don't want anybody to be 
losing their jobs. But I know we do have to transition away from polluting industries. Mm-hmm. We have to transition away from plastic. Mm-hmm. It's, we must. The kids of the world cannot sustain it. It's fossil fuel based mm-hmm. and it's devastating to the planet. So, but how do we do that? Well, we have to get creative and we have to find new industries. So how do we help those industries transition? The plastics industry must transition into something else. So can they become bioplastics? Can the oil industry become the energy industry? We need energy. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to create that in a way that is not destroying I just the had planet? This, I know? just had this vision <laughs> epiphany thing where a, a shuttered plastics factory that is that is just, you know, now it's the mm-hmm. ruin of, of industry. Mm-hmm. I see all these other buildings that have been put out of business by them coming back to life in all these smaller communities and you know mm-hmm. all the all the the things where actually people went to create something meaningful like work with leather or work with foods or work with you know whatever other materials that that we that are more natural exactly it, anything you you get rid of one and you create room for something else but yeah. also understanding why we need to do it differently mm-hmm. it's not that leather is benign right we're working with mm-hmm. animals we're having mm-hmm. toxic dyes we have yeah. energy input so we but understanding like how can we do better mm-hmm. with the in the direction that we're going so that we create good high-paying jobs where people aren't exposed do we need to, to in their workplace see that's the question sure. is is everybody you know it's like we need to create good and and politicians do that that's their you know, it's part of their stump speech all the time now. But it's like mm-hmm. it, it's like in the same vein as shutting down a, a, a plastics factory and letting other industry reflourish. It's a it's cattle. Oh, these feedlots are a problem. There's methane. It's, it's a global warming issue. Okay, close the feedlot down, and what you'll see is all these small holdings having five, ten cows again. And mm-hmm. and you say, okay, so you don't need a high powered, high paying job. You need to move out to a small holding, twenty acres raise some cattle, you know, that can go into the system, but we can feed the system slowly, but you can have your garden, you can grow your own food. We don't have to have imports like coming up all the time from wherever all year round. But it's like, there's so much you can do just if you squeeze the balloon back and put the air in the other side of it. It's like dispersing (laughs) people back onto the land, doing smaller things, having better lives, more community aspect. And and you also, but you also get rid of these huge, like, these huge problems were created by everybody massing into a city and saying, okay, Safeway, it's your problem to feed us. And they're like, well, the only thing we can do is create a feedlot because there's a lot of you, <laughs> you know? And, and it's like, so, well, but the other I'm way, not sure that's the reason for feedlots though. I'm not sure that was the economic driver for feedlots, right? Well, because there was a lot of things wrong with the family farm that couldn't be solved except this was the model that was given. I think small scale is very sustainable, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that it necessarily means everybody has to or should. You know, urban centers are also tricky, right? When we think about the city, it's nuanced in the sense that we have some efficiencies when we all come together because now we're all managing our wastewater altogether (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we should be doing a better job of it than we are with the city but nonetheless Mm -hmm. so we have less points of um loss of sewage into our environment Mm -hmm. less (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> uh, than if we each manage our own, right? Mm-hmm. And we have less garbage when we all manage it together, and we have more efficiencies that way, and we don't have to drive as far if the grocery store is in walking distance. So there are good things about cities, urban centers that are sustainable, inherently sustainable when you have um, a, you know, that sort of tipping point of the number of people, some certain density so that you can efficiently deliver a parcel or, you know, go have a, have a dentist because you have enough people to go to that dentist and mm. keep them in business and so on without traveling large distances. Mm. So there, there are you know, part of that solution is definitely supporting small agriculture and sm- supporting agriculture in general and, and rural communities mm-hmm. where you can make a living at what you're doing without having to go the route that isn't sustainable for the planet and also like really difficult for the, the family economics. Yeah. But um, part of that, I think, is definitely this balance between urban and rural and an appreciation <laughs> of, of the, yeah. you know, what each provides. You're saying, yeah, people have to go away in the past to do a lot of the things we used to do, uh, you know, living in the future or the present. And the other thing about a lot of people saying, well, we're going to go back to the old, old ways. But a lot of mm-hmm. that had to do with peasants a lot of poor people, a few yeah. wealthy people, the aristocratic or the kings and all that stuff in the court, but the landholders who didn't work the land but owned the land. But everybody else, you know, didn't, they didn't worry, they couldn't have a lot of wealth, so they didn't worry about that, so they did everything, you know, around yeah. that. But, no, that's a good point. But I that's think the sustainability. Thing. So, yeah. yeah, so when 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 politicians or yourself or whoever, or me, we say, oh, we need we need to replace this with good paying jobs that allow for that. It's almost like you, you got to start taking out the good paying part and say, we have mm. to do this. And we it's going to hurt us because you're not going to have an SUV and unlimited travel to do whatever. You're going to have to stay where your stuff is and maintain it, manage it. And and there's yeah, a lot I, of there's a lot of letting go, I guess that that we have. It's a it's a feature of our mental health that we have to accept that we're going to have sure. less stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We have to really well repurpose our ideas around what a good life is, mm-hmm. and and rethink that a little bit because. But it gets back to I think we have those common human desires yeah. for what we want and what are what yeah. we want for the next generation well we still want our cell phones because then you can but if you're on a, a remote property you can still use your cell phone now with cell towers mm-hmm. and stuff to, to twitter and to see what's going on in the world and yeah. communicate and get your entertainments that way um i don't think sustainability is going backwards by any mm-hmm. means but there is a lot of important knowledge to hold on to mm-hmm. and the the core values of, you know, what we did learn in the past and what we maybe should get back to in terms of relying on one another and having um, support from our community, whether that's an online community or our next door neighbor or both, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that looks like, there are really important things to learn from the past. And as well as things like, you know, preserving your own tomatoes that you grew in your garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that stepping backwards is the way to go. Yeah. It's retaining those good things from the past. And by all means, that also means 
going forward with acknowledgement of what we've done wrong in the past, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of how we've treated our Indigenous uh, community and um, how we have really done poorly for the environment in the past and how we have, you know, not looked at the whole life cycle of um, materials we're using and so on, Mm -hmm. where we thought we could forever take fish out of the ocean you know it's yeah. it's really we have to learn right and that's the way forward is learning from the past yeah and dealing with other countries who, de- who dumped nuclear waste into the water the fish come out of and expecting yeah. and they say don't tell us what to do and you're like well um uh kind of gotta <laughs> you know it's like sorry <laughs> but the whole the whole thing with um like the way the way everything's changed too the like I'm talking about, if some if we still have our cell phones, we're, we're going to have that what people call an antisocial aspect to life, where everybody's staring into their phone and they're texting people <laughs> they're never going to talk to and things like like face to face or whatever. I remember when I was a kid in the '70s, um, my one older sister, I went out to visit them and I didn't want to bug anybody, and so I put these the headphones on the big headphones on to <laughs> listen to a record or something, and and she called me antisocial. <laughs> and I was like, what do you, I just don't want to bug anyone. She's like, let everybody listen. If you're going to listen to it, why not? Like, what's the big deal? Why can't we listen to it too? And why are you being so antisocial? And that really struck me. And then, and then Walkmans came along and then everybody had their little headphones on and you didn't know what they're listening to. You'd say, can I listen? And they go, okay, here, you, you know, and then you had to be led into their little world. Right. And then I'd get mm-hmm. the headphones, I'd get my own Walkman because, okay, well, screw that. I'm going to listen to my own stuff too. And then everybody's walking around with these Walkman things. And, and, and so comparatively to her calling me antisocial for wearing these big headphone things way back then, mm-hmm. when that's the only thing around. And then to now, it seems mm-hmm. like, uh, it seems like we really slipped down that slope hard. Yeah, well, and that's interesting. That's one of the neat things about the pandemic. I think the pandemic has had such interesting lessons for us. And one of them is how deeply important social connections are to us, right? When it gets stripped away in, in, you know, lockdown situation, months on end, um, it became vital for us to try to find those ways to connect. And we're doing it online and we're doing it from, you know, balconies and waving to your Mm -hmm. neighbors and all that. Mm -hmm. And, but we hadn't maybe thought about it enough in terms of how important that is to our well-being is to have that social connection. And I think the other good thing about the pandemic, if I may, you know, I don't mean to minimize mm-hmm. the losses by any means, but um, there are the, the, the beautiful nature of globally working towards um, a huge challenge and finding a vaccine and multiple vaccines in record time, relying on science and scientific method for those solutions, relying on the goodness of other humans to reach out and help people who are in more precarious situations and mm-hmm. vulnerable populations. And like, there's so much really beautiful stuff that I think we can and should be able to apply to solving environmental crises involving how to solve the climate crisis and our pollution crisis, the plastic mm-hmm. <laughs> emergency that we're also facing, that we have an example here of using science and understanding the need 
to connect with one another and being very compassionate to those who are experiencing the issue differently and more severely than we are, you know, and all of these types of examples that we've, we've been able to experience through the pandemic can help us in finding solutions and moving forward with our sustainability goals of, of living better and living lighter and, and knowing what's important as we go. An important part of human, the human nature is, is being more positive and forgetting bad things because otherwise we'd be reliving banging our knee into the desk or whatever all the time and yeah. feeling bad. And yeah. even when somebody passes, we have a mourning you know, period and then we, we have a more positive outlook and we move forward. Mm. Even, you know, if somebody's mm -hmm. a widow, well, they're the widow so-and-so and we visit her and, you know, we make sure she's part of the, you know, cause life's for the living and, you know, we all have to go on and, and everybody sort of gets over and moves past and, and we have remembrance, mm. but we don't always have like constant mourning phase. So now do you think yeah. the world is sort of getting over this COVID, the, the mourning of the, the people mm. who have passed and we, and we're looking now and saying, well, what, what do we do better? How do we, prevent the next one? Mm -hmm. How do we move past this in a positive way? Because it's funny, oh. I noticed you said a couple of times in our conversation, you'll, you'll apologize for not, you know, you say, well, one of the good things, then you say, well, not the, you know, not discount the bad things. But I think mm -hmm. we're getting closer mm -hmm. to not having to say that and mm -hmm. all the time and, and being able to say, okay, well, a lot of the good things that have come out of this are these things. And we don't mm -hmm. have to instantly do the the, the political correct, you know, oh, but, but I know people have died and da, 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 da. you know, we can, we can sort of move past that now and say, you know, here's, here's the, the future that we have to live. I, I think we're, we're on the cusp of that, of, of moving forward, you know, collectively, um, if not individually, everyone's circumstance is different, but, um, I think you're right. And, um, I'm, just really hoping that we we don't move on too quickly mm -hmm. that we take the time to learn from this experience and see how to apply it but i definitely see globally world leaders really learning a good lesson from this in terms of how to work together and how to rely on good science on evidence-based decision making on you know our the collective desire for humanity to help one another that we mm -hmm. many, many of us have, you know, many people are just wearing masks for the goodness of others, you know, more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that's what we all want. You know, I stay home to keep others safe. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, we've definitely seen this huge outpouring of those sentiments. And I think that's an incredible thing. Uh, the world is, is different, you know, without a doubt, the way we live our lives right now is different than a year ago, but mm -hmm. we, we, definitely will be changed by it i think and hopefully should i be able to get paid for that should i be able to get money from the government for staying home and we call it a covid tax <laughs> i think uh this is a whole other conversation but yeah it doesn't occur to me yeah, it's like carbon tax have, right if you don't cause carbon you get a benefit <laughs> you know so anybody has but, to go to work yeah. has to pay me because i'm staying at home and broadly speaking, like we this. well, like we have to think about uh, yeah our money in general. Yeah. Um, I'm going to write a letter being to able somebody. To tax <laughs> the bad, and yeah, you have to yeah. be able to tax the behavior you don't want yeah. and incentivize the behavior you do want. 
Yeah, I like and, this. I like this. You a know, lot. this is great. <laughs> that's that's what we're trying to do. We want to yeah. foster less use of fossil fuels. Yeah, we've got mechanisms to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, we have to take away those incentives that are already there for some of those bad behaviors in terms of fossil fuel use and the cheap use of plastic, which is also fossil fuel based, and that kind of thing. We have to make mm-hmm. the good behavior economically, you know more viable mm-hmm. for everyone it can't be elitist right we mm-hmm. can't have only you know a certain economic you know income being able to afford organic food and local and all those good stuff right mm-hmm. everyone has to be able to yeah so those if, are some systemic changes we need yeah and if they gave me money for staying at home i would probably spend it on ordering food in or buying things online from amazon or you know supporting the the economic flow right <laughs> so so it's not a bad mm-hmm. thing yeah, as long as you uh, have reusable takeout containers or compostable yeah. ones, and uh, support your local businesses, and uh, actually, I'll tell, shop, I'll, uh... I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret <laughs> that the whole one skip the dishes came along. For some mm-hmm. reason, in my gut, I just I loathed that whole notion, <laughs> and I and I mm-hmm. still kind of do because I thought, no, 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 don't skip the dishes and order on stuff. Learn how to cook oh, at God. home. And, and, you know, learn how to cook meals. It's not hard and you can get some favorite meals and it's not, and you're not eating crap and whatever. Right. And then the whole economic yeah. model for it, I learned was restaurants don't make any money off those orders anyway. So they don't right? really care. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh yeah, I'll throw that together. And I'm get with you. Here. you know, so I've got a, so I've was, got a whole episode on, yeah, yeah. Uh, on how cooking dinner is mm-hmm. an act of sustainability. Yeah. Yeah at its core for yeah. a variety of reasons, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> because of the food you're using. It's a political of, statement, you know, <laughs> like creating, cooking your own food. It's like, <laughs> showing yeah. someone you yeah. care, you know, even showing your body yeah. that you care. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it can be and a it's political not expensive. statement. Yeah. We eat so well no. and it's so inexpensive. Cheaper. It's so inexpensive. <laughs> I've, and I don't, yeah. I, I think I'd never go into the keg again ever because I can have a really nice steak at home done yeah. right the way I like it, a nice bottle of wine. And it's costing me like 10% of what going out would be. And it's, it's ridiculous. Right. It's just ridiculous. And anyway, about that. Yeah. so I'm probably, you know, I'm probably not making a lot of fans out there that, that operate in the, the whatever, but even restaurants, like their restaurants came along when, the, when France killed all their aristocrats and all those aristocrats cooks wrote a, a job and they, you know, so they turned to cooking for other people in the public realm. So it's like, even that's a new kind of thing for us. Um, you know, and then, but then a good chef here will say, well, don't put down restaurants. I'm like, well, I'm not necessarily putting down somebody's cooking good food, although it'll be more expensive, but I'm thinking like the whole notion of restaurants, like McDonald's and Burger Kings and KFC being called restaurants is anathema to the whole (laughs) restaurant industry. And it's 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 a different story. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like all you can, you can, you remember the old coffee commercial where they'd have the coffee beans on the desk and the guy'd take the ruler and whack and then a whole bunch of go away. (laughs) He'd say, we only Mm -hmm, pick the best. mm -hmm, You can do that here. Like, because we always say Winnipeg has the most restaurants per capita. We're so proud. And it's like, you could do that (laughs) ruler thing or whack and get rid of all and say, those are restaurants, (laughs) you know, and you'd be left to just good places that you could go and eat and celebrate things. And, and actually, you know, wow. not be poisoning yourself, right? So, anyway, and that's key. Yeah, you yeah. can make those choices, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and it yeah. and and it's like I say, I guess it is a political and, and economic statement, and um and all yeah. that. Okay, I want to shift yeah. gears here because I, I don't always get somebody with the wealth of knowledge you have, 
in, in, <laughs> in, in, in this. Um, I want to ask you after about maybe what the five biggest things that are affecting the environment right now. But before that, I want to ask you, is the world overpopulated? Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting question about the population. Um, there are two parts to that equation when we think about overpopulation. I think from a sustainability perspective, we're often thinking about impact. You know, are we using too many resources, right? Mm -hmm. And that has to do, there, well, there's an equation, you know, and it's, it's uh, the number of people multiplied by the impact per person, right? So okay. if here in North America, we're using, you know, you can do that, um, global footprint calculator kind of thing, mm -hmm. which will tell you how many planet Earths you're, you're using to live <laughs> yeah. your life, you know, the resources, yeah. right? And so if we're using somewhere between five and eight planet Earths, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. to use to, if everybody lived by our standards in North America, um, then, you know, we, we know that's definitely a big part of the problem. And, but we also know that impact per person is not the same all around the globe, right? Mm -hmm. So a person in India has a much, 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 much smaller footprint. A person in Asia has a much, much smaller footprint than mm -hmm. average. And uh, so it, it, it doesn't just relate to the number of people on earth. It's impact per person, right? How much, how many goods, how much energy are we using? What's our footprint, right? Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. And then the other part of that question is about how many people um, are, are, can the earth sustain? And the, it's a big question mark. And that's flexing in the sense that we don't know right now how many people the earth can sustain because we're not sustaining people adequately right now, right? right. Not everybody has enough food to eat right now. Okay, so how much of that is a production problem and how much of that is a distribution and wealth problem? You know, do they not have the ability to purchase food that is technically available, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there is, it's a complicated question. Um, we are definitely um, skirting the edges of those two limits. And I like to think of it as a very real physical limit that the earth is a finite place. But what's not finite is our capacity in terms of resourcefulness for doing things differently, right? If we eat differently, we can sustain many more people, not than we have right now, but than we can when we eat less sustainably. Mm -hmm. So we know we can do things different. And, and our capacity to do things differently is maybe infinite, right? This is a very, very big capacity. Mm -hmm. But there are real physical limits in terms of arable land, in terms of, you know, water available, in terms of, you know, yeah, all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we definitely should be thinking around limiting ourselves in terms of how much we use and we definitely should be thinking about the next generation and what we're leaving for them because without a doubt we're leaving a mess right now mm. and that's where kids are having such a huge voice in this and they should because and they should be upset about it and that's where you know i'm so inspired by young greta thunberg who went on this 
you know, climate strike mm-hmm. and continues to do so. And um, because we know we're leaving a really big problem for the next generation, those children who will have been born by the time we're gone, mm-hmm. they're inheriting a big problem. So we have to really, really work at getting our our house in order for the next generation and um, work with those, you know, super brilliant, intelligent uh, folks out there, especially the next generation who is looking at this future and saying, what have you done? You know? And so, okay. So that's, you know, that's the non-answer there, but um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. two, two parts of that. One is material and resource use. And the other is, um, our, our capacity to change and innovate. So you were saying biggest issues was your other question. Yeah, like what are the five sort of big ones worldwide, like globally, that that have to that are causing the problem? The yeah. problem. <laughs> the problem. Okay. <laughs> If we can look um, at it like that, like good guy, bad guy, I guess boil it down. Okay. Well, let's say, okay. I I think everyone is going to expect my first answer to be climate change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so might as well get that in there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, although to be honest, or, you know um, what? You know what? It's like when you say climate mm-hmm. change. Maybe that's what I should have said. What's what are the biggest factors right now on climate change? What what's because that then causes mm-hmm. all these you know the the knockdown effects or the trickle downs or even the dominoes. So I guess what what you are know? the what are the five biggest things impacting the Earth right now that we could actually f- uh, curtail or eliminate or fix or, or or do something with that would make a change? Okay, I'll. Uh... How about I'll do it in the um, um, uh, top five countdown style sure. Sure. <laughs> to the number one. So okay. if we start off with the number five on my list, was that David Letterman, right? Mm-hmm. That always had the countdown there. Okay. The music. So to, Paul, in, Paul, hey, Paul, yeah. Paul, can you whip something up here? Oh, it's her name. Exactly. It's the top ten, five, five. So okay. number five, I would say, is climate change let's just get it out Mm. of the way first of all um we are altering the Mm. um composition of our atmosphere it is unquestionable that humanity has made these changes and uh, they are significant and have uh incredible consequences that we don't fully understand that will be dire for us and for other species on earth so climate change mm-hmm. for sure and that really just relates to putting carbon in the atmosphere yeah. and putting other greenhouse gases in the atmosphere including and, methane and did that start mm-hmm. like uh, the industrial revolution in england in the, the yeah. mid 1700s yeah. so this you is a 200 data. it's like a 200 300 yeah. year problem okay yep Okay. You can see it clearly in the data from mm. ice cores and in the atmosphere. So right. climate change, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. And that relates to fossil fuels. Don't drive your car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. drive oh, yeah. okay. a smaller hey, That's vehicle. interesting. What's the big problem? <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. And the pandemic yeah. has, has stopped so, us even from driving. We don't drive hardly anywhere. Right. And, are, and we're right. filling exactly. up the gas tank way less. So that's, yeah. we're helping. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Exactly. Okay. Right. So climate change, uh, stop putting fossil fuels into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. I'm going to go with number four as being plastic pollution. Mm-hmm. And plastics are part of the problem because they're fossil fuel derived. Um, they take a lot of energy. They have uses. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But we're using it far too much and we have far too much plastic getting out into the environment. You know, now, funny, plastic when, is you, say, when mm-hmm. you say they have uses, it's almost like you say they have a single use, which is the bad part. They, of it. People aren't reusing <laughs> them the way we should. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's hard to get around some of those things. And mm-hmm. people go through great lengths to live zero waste lives and so on, which mm-hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it takes a lot of work. So plastic, we really need to rethink plastic because plastic ultimately breaks down into smaller bits of plastic. Mm-hmm. And that is scary. Well, they're because proud. They're proud got... because they're saying we make plastic that's indestructible. I saw that on a, on a wow. sixty minutes or something way back. And these these companies were so proud. They're like, we make this kind of plastic; it'll never break down. We're this is awesome. And then people go and throw it in the environment, and it's like, well, so the now reality it's a problem. Is yeah, we have this plastic, and it breaks down into microplastics, and yeah. that's coming off the washing of your synthetic clothes right. and when you launder it. Yeah. It's going, it, when that bottle breaks down in the sunlight in the mm-hmm. ocean and it becomes then part of the food web because mm-hmm. fish can't distinguish that little bit of floating plastic from what should be its food. Right. And we are ingesting it ourselves then. Mm-hmm. There is no away. There's no out there. There's no getting rid of it. So yeah. we really have to, I mean, seriously move away from plastics and that's like the definition um, of stupid when you're when you're putting stuff into the actual food chain that you're relying on and you know you are and you're not doing anything about it yeah like that's well classic. exactly yeah. it, it's denial yeah. it's to think that it doesn't come back around to us yeah. so what can we do refuse all single-use plastics mm-hmm. never use a straw takeout container shopping bag you can mm-hmm. it is actually pretty easy because i live this way refuse all single-use plastics just start that today anybody can do that today if you buy Um, if you buy something that's encased in plastic should we leave it at the store leave it at the store or if you must buy it write the manufacturer and tell them how much you hated that or mail it back (laughs) use it again do something with this please yeah yeah tell them how much you despise that um, so there, there's can we do plastic. a plastic, can we, do a, can we do, yeah. we used to do bottle drives as, as uh, scouts and stuff going through the ditches. Mm-hmm. We used to clean up everything too. Yeah. That's why the world, yeah. our, our, our roads are so clean now. It's because uh, as kids, we did all that. <laughs> and, did uh, that you know, we, we threw stuff out the window. Sure. And then we went and went, <laughs> no, well, not a, not a good idea. We got to go pick it up now. And, but, but our roadways yeah. are so clean now everywhere in the province because those oh, generations, okay. <laughs> went out with sticks with nails in it and we then bags and we picked up everything and we cleaned up everything yeah, but we do i see a lot of plastic <laughs> yeah well we'll go drive on the highways yeah. and it's not you don't really I, but it's not like it used to be it used to be a just a, okay you know, yeah i won't use the trump word for uh, what it used to look like but um mm. but but in the same vein as doing a bottle drive should should youth groups not be doing plastic drives because if it's Absolutely. not recyclable can a kid come and get my plastic and for their youth group go and then put that back to the company and the company can pay them because then they can reuse that exact piece of plastic in their packaging. Well, some of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I wholeheartedly agree probably for a different reason though. 
because mm. I think it's important for especially kids and youth and, and all of us to really consider what happened to that plastic. How did it get out there? Mm-hmm. And I used to do it always on campus. We always did a cleanup day and my students would do a waste audit then of it and, and weigh how much uh, recyclables they had and how much garbage and that type of thing. But I think it's very valuable as a teaching moment, especially for youth and kids to see other kids picking things up, mm-hmm. right? And like, oh yeah, that's not what I should be doing, yeah. making it the social norm to yeah. not throw it away, as you talked about, yeah. right? And not just to put it in a garbage can, but to say, well, where can we put it? Yeah. yeah. Where do we What's st- the right purpose? Yeah. And yeah, it is. So and that's plastic. up to the adults in the community. The adult in the community should say, oh, put it in this container. These are yeah. These big bins are now plastic recycling containers that we are going to, as and, adults, go and deal with the company and say, you know. Yeah. And listen to those child Mm -hmm. advocates. So they are out there. Yeah. So then I would say on my list here, Mm -hmm. climate change first plastics. And then I'm going down to number three on my list is toxins. And I bet you don't Mm -hmm. think about it a lot, but I think about it a lot. I sweat them out. I sweat them out at the spa. Is that, is that, that's what you're talking about? <laughs> no, okay. you can't sweat them out. <laughs> oh, There's no toxins. such thing as detoxing. Yeah. Your body already detoxes. Yeah. But there are toxins in the air you breathe, yeah. in uh, some of the food you eat, in the mm. water you drink, and it's not possible to just say, I'm not going to consume them because they're mm. all around us. Yeah. And because we're allowing them to be, industry is allowed to put out a certain amount Mm. and that comes back into us and as a two-time cancer survivor Mm. i will tell you there is real evidence that many of those compounds that we are still allowed to put into the environment Mm. and even have allowed to have on our skin in our skincare products Mm. or in our you know hair products and so on Mm. they're they're endocrine disruptors and they are um, in some cases, carcinogens as well. Wow. So we have real problems here. Mm. And uh, you you can do all you want in terms of trying to live healthy and clean and still be exposed to toxins. So mm. we really need systemic change. We need to change the way industry is allowed to have those things uh, in their products and uh, allowed to dispose of them in the environment, in the atmosphere, and in wastewater. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real silent um, part of the environment that we're not thinking about enough. We absolutely should be concerned about climate change, but I'll tell you, today, right now, more people are dying of environmentally linked cancers than of climate change. Yeah. So today, we see cancers going up, not related to our increased life expectancy not related to other lifestyle factors and we go why is that happening Mm. so there are certain cancers that we know are linked to these environmental contaminants and breast cancer which is the type of cancer that i had first is one of those and Mm. i think we need to be very concerned about that because people are losing their lives kids are losing their mothers and spouses are losing their their partners and Mm. it is absolute waste of human resources and life to have these toxins go out into the environment. And I think the people sitting in the boardroom saying, yes, we're following the law, but we're putting these chemicals out into the environment in our wastewater or in our products at an allowable level, they don't want their wife to come down with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. They don't want some 
family member to have cancer. And yet, this is in a roundabout way what's happening. And we really need to rethink all of this. Um, and so toxins, I think mm-hmm. we really have to be a lot more concerned about um, in terms of once a lot of those things are out in the environment, they're staying there. Mm-hmm. Some of them are persistent and they're accumulating in the polar regions and affecting people all around the globe, even in jurisdictions that had nothing to do with producing those chemicals. Yeah. So that's number three. And, toxins. And you know, you How know, do we, mm-hmm. you know what the worst part about that is like the boardroom thing when they, when they pollute mm-hmm. a stream or something, they get caught and they say, why'd you do this? And they say, well, we have a responsibility to our shareholders, our shareholders demand. And this is a, a way of making sure they get a return and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think, first of all, that's real scummy of any company to blame their shareholders. <laughs> yeah. And, but also I think it's, it's, it may, it should make shareholders, even if you're just a, a person at home with a portfolio, I got some shares in whatever company I'd, I'd say, you know, it's like, it's like Steppenwolf used to sing, God damn the pusher man. I say, God damn mm. the shareholder, because if mm-hmm. you're the shareholder that they're saying, well, you're, re- I'm responsible then for that company trying to turn a profit at all costs. So, you well, know, so I'm, and, and, I'm the I problem. Mean, and again, that brings we it can back. ask for better. Yeah, it brings it back to like, don't drive your car if you want to not put crap in the air. Uh, don't do this if you don't want that. But also don't buy shares in these companies if you don't want to be responsible for that company doing those things. And then we can truly go after that company and say, well, you don't have any shareholders, <laughs> so we can put all you guys in jail. And well, you know, shareholders so can yeah. demand that corporate um, players behave better than they're even asked to do by law. They can become leaders in industry. But you won't and get your money then because the they won't be making money. So. Sure. But sure money is a power You'll be ahead of the curve. Money is a powerful thing. you be ahead of the curve thing. when... Yeah. But a lot of people's when, minds change. If I gave you an SUV for free, you'd probably drive it. You know, that. but that's how people are. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if I give you dividends... Okay, I'll take it, you know, because then I can. But even if I use that for good, then I'm still taking it from bad to kind of counteract. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole nip in the bud thing where it's, you know, don't do something in the first place and you won't have to deal with the consequences later. With the toxins, I definitely think on a personal level, never, uh, if you can avoid it by all means, don't use pesticides mm-hmm. in your home or in your garden. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many of those pesticides are linked to cancer and endocrine disruptors are also found in some of those herbicides, those weed killers, especially. Okay. Mm-hmm. So definitely stay away from those. And I would also suggest just staying away from anything that has um, a warning label um, because those are real warnings. Yeah. It's not that a product on the shelf has no risk. Mm-hmm. A product on the shelf has an acceptable level of risk, right? So we really have to be careful about that when you buy, you know, a stain at the hardware store or a sealant mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. So we, we've, we've got to be more careful with that. Um, okay, that's toxins, okay. number three. Number two on my list is habitat. Um, we are destroying habitat, mm-hmm. um, wildlife habitat. You can't save a species if you can't save their habitat. Yeah, they can't live in zoos. No. That doesn't it can't constitute a wild animal anymore. Then, no. right? So, how do we save 
wild species, we must save wilderness. Mm -hmm. So we need habitat, we need diverse ecosystems that are preserved. Mm -hmm. And that means land ecosystems, that means marine ecosystems, Mm -hmm. and that means just without human interference. Even something like um, a transmission line Mm -hmm. can have serious negative impacts. Mm -hmm. Uh, A road has terrible impacts on uh, wilderness. So we really have to be very careful as we save our wilderness, we really have to be very intentional as we do it. And that's but where I think the, the preserving airship, habitat. The airships come in big with that. I was talking to Dr. Prentice. <laughs> Barry Prentice. Yes, it's, I heard. It's like yeah. We can abandon all these roads that cause all these issues. We can just go over them. You know, it's an interesting idea. Yeah. Absolutely. It saves all this yeah, money, so, all this taxpayer paid out money yeah. for road building, all this infrastructure goofiness. It's like, why don't two billion? Like that's like spitting in the wind for governments. Like put that in airships and solve every. There's, I don't, I didn't even, I can't even, I don't know how many problems you solve with airships. It's a, that's a lot. It's a lot of problems, unless they're toxic. I don't know. Maybe they're toxic. <laughs> We have a look at the fuel, but so with habitat, I think we can do things. We can create habitat in your own backyard. You can plant native plants, right? Mm -hmm. Plant milkweed for monarch butterflies. Mm -hmm. You can so planting native plants in your own yard is a great thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And then we can also look at um, preserving our our wilderness by you know you can bequeath the plot of plot of land that you have a rural property Mm -hmm. so that it becomes part of a uh, natural ecosystem preservation, mm-hmm. um, and you can support all sorts of organizations like CPAWS, the Canadian Parks and Wilderness um, Society, mm-hmm. and other advocacy groups who are um, working with the government to set aside land that is critical habitat for endangered species or species that are at risk. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really, like, we can do a lot, actually, really hyper-local and then broader. So are you ready for my number one? I, well, yeah, there's a drum roll around here somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> okay. Wow, <Here> we well done. <laughs> hey, that's a lifetime of practice of avoiding math when the science. Hang <laughs> <laughs> off here. <laughs> yeah. So I would say the number one issue for environmental sustainability is taking care of social sustainability. Ah. I really think that the answers lie with us and we have to take care of us. That means taking care of the social issues that are so pressing around social justice, around feeding those who don't have enough to eat, Mm -hmm. around making sure that everybody has dignity, Mm -hmm. that people have meaningful work that people can provide for their families. And we need to respect the social needs of moving forward. And humans are a part of the earth. Mm -hmm. And we need to take care of the humans. We need to look for social equity, but we also need to look at ourselves as well in terms of caring for who we are. We need to look after our own physical health and our mental health and our spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Because without that, we don't have the mechanism to do all of this good work if we're not taking care of ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. we need to produce, but we need to care for the person, the individual who can produce mm-hmm. that good work in the world. And so that gets to 
Mm. Maybe taking time out, you know, and meditating, spending time in nature or appreciating nature, even just as you walk the dog around the block. Mm. And that also gets to elevating people who don't understand that they have something to contribute to this world because everyone does. Mm. We must go back to the vast capacity that we have, the depth of Indigenous knowledge and wisdom that we must tap into and respect and foster in order for us all to benefit from it. And going back to the wisdom of the our ancestors and building on it, mm. creating something better from it. And I think that's kind of the, the number one way to get us to sustainability is using our human capacity and allowing everyone to flourish. That's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I see it all around me too. And that's, that's great. We're yeah. working on it. And I'm still amazed by big scale, like the big R religions that, they say we help so much, but they divide so much and all this, and it really seeps in. And and a lot of mm. nice people are sort of, they put that religious side kind of stuff aside and say, no, no, we're just, just people and we're going to do that first. And even politics, like we'll just put that aside too. Um, I'm always mm-hmm. nervous when somebody leads in with, I'm this. And it's like, well, I'm not. And you're, you're actually not either. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you're hiding behind that. Like there's real people in, in you. Yeah. Mm. And the homeless thing too, and all that, like the, the, we have Mm. a homeless issue at minus 50 is a regal embarrassment on our governments and our leadership, you know, quote unquote, where this even exists. And, you know, that is left up to a a volunteer with zero resources to go out and try and help people. It's, it's just bizarre. It is bizarre. And you know, a lot of those, and it, what did I, Oh, George, I read uh, George Orwell, I think was talking about that. Um, in his books, I think it was down and out in London and Paris, in Paris and London, where he was saying how a lot of these things that are set up for charitable things, he says they're they're taking these people in who do have pride and dignity, and he says the whole thing, the most, the worst part about it, is that the cleanliness and the the, the situation and the food being brought to them. He says it just the most insulting thing about it is that it smacks of. Um, not generosity, but, uh, oh, what is it? Um, uh, when you give something to some charity, it smacks of charity. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, charity. Yeah. and you're not respecting who that person is. No, and I was talking we're not about, respecting the capacity of a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to Dr. Gerard about that, about how mm-hmm. a government can set up a thing where you can help people without saying, oh, we're just going to give you stuff because you're homeless. It's like, they're not homeless. They're people with issues. And if you can help address some of those issues and help them find their way in some regard, maybe the government still needs a long-term plan for for some people, but we can always find something where, you know, help them fit back in and be a productive person. Like you say, be a neighbor, be a caring individual, um, mm. and take a lot of the other pressures off where they're not going to deal with properly or well, but we don't have to do that in an undignified way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's really the concept that I, I love um, talking about and getting at is this 
idea of sustainable well-being mm-hmm. because it's combining all three with the personal well-being, the social well-being, and the ecological well-being. And mm-hmm. understanding that that's really sustainability. You know, to me, when we say sustainability, that's what we're talking about yeah. is getting at all three of those things. And then we reap those benefits of social justice and equity and and you know secure food systems and you know um effective transportation and you know on and on and on right Mm -hmm. so that's really um the the fruits of those labors are are available to us um but we've we've got to keep tending that garden and uh in order to produce more of those fruits yeah and now i have to i have to just pause here because i have an ad i got to read for an oil company (laughs) <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> An oil company. Come on. No, I got to promote it. I get out there and bring it. Come on, folks. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. It's, our things are so backwards because literally I could have that in front of me. Ads for things that are whatever. But um, mm. yeah. And luckily there are companies out there and big companies that are setting up like Amazons who, who are saying, no, no, we're going to do this with sustainable products. We're going to take a different view on this. Sure, we're going to bring it across the world, but it's not going to be horrible, <laughs> you know, but, but I guess well, that's part of the easement There's a process. lot to be desired with those Amazons too. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I should just yeah. mention, I did a podcast episode on how to shop more sustainably mm-hmm. online and Amazon would be my, you know, fifth choice. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I can't find it anywhere else. It's impossible to locate. I guess I'll bite yeah. the bullet. Yeah. And, and yeah. once, one time and then stop. Yeah. yeah. And if you do it that one time, take it slow, you know, yeah. allow it to be delivered as slowly as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Don't pay for the rush, rush and the jets and all yeah. that. Yeah. 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 There's some interesting studies that have been done on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but well, anyways. Okay. So that's social. That's my number one. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, there you go. Uh, yeah. So that gives everybody lots to think about, which is good because uh, it really breaks <laughs> it down. That's, cool. that's important. So tell us all about where to, where people can find you online and your podcast. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. The podcast is called Live Well Green, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts, um, on iTunes and or Spotify and Apple Podcasts and yeah, Google Podcasts and all that. And um, it's also available on my website, which is Christina Hunter flourishing.com that's christina with a k Mm -hmm. and there i've got a blog with um all kinds of resources around sustainable well-being and green living and i also have um some great free downloadable resources on um, a green home guide and a sustainable well-being starter kit and i have a newsletter that comes out once a week that is full of tips and resources and news um, from the flourishing community. And um, yeah, so I welcome people to sign up for that as well and join this flourishing community where we talk about all things um, sustainable and um, all of the positive actions and help people overcome the barriers to to living better um, so that you can feel better and and do better. So that's that's really what it's all about. And you and you have a business associated with this too, where people can actually pay you to to work on yeah. sustainable issues. 
Yeah, I've got uh, a number of courses and um, I've got a mini course on green home renovations. And then I have um, um, two larger courses that will open up for registration shortly. One is on uh, the Good Green Life, uh, Good Green Life School. And the other is the Sustainable Wellbeing Academy. So all kinds of fun. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll sign up for your newsletter for sure. And um, yeah, and we've we've been thinking about moving back to the countryside and possibly building uh, building something fresh. So um, exciting. Yeah, I might have to have you back on to talk about uh, green buildings and and that that kind of concepts. Let's do it. I'm I'm loving that. That's an exciting prospect. Good for you. Okay, thank you for listening to Manitobaville. We're trying to take the show on the road, and uh, a little bit anyway. We're going to experiment with that this summer, so who knows? We might be at a farmer's market near you someday. That would be fun, I think. That would be fun as springtime comes and the farmer's markets open up, and uh, we'll get out there in the communities, check things out. So in the meantime, tell your friends, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, look for us on all your favorite social medias, And, um, yeah, just a reminder that uh, my name is Mahangel, and thank you for listening to the Manitobaville podcast. We are copyright 2022 by Rodeo Road Studios. (laughs) 